welcome to the Last Looks podcast, a show where we catch up with talented hairstylists and makeup artists in the film and television industry. We'll pick their super creative brains and find out all the good stuff. Join me, your host, Jamie Lee, in finding out what's what in the hair and makeup departments around the world. And now, a word from our sponsor. Mio Cosmetic Cases are the preferred safety touch-up system for pro makeup and hair artists. As makeup and hair professionals, we are constantly having to carry an endless amount of products in our kit, always in search of new ways to condense our kits and increase efficiency on the job. Mio Cosmetic Cases offer on-set touch-up kits that hold multiple types of makeup, helping you save valuable touch-up time on set, keeping your makeup safe and hygienic for talent, and significantly lightening your travel and set bags. They also offer depotting storage palettes in various sizes that assist to reduce weight and bulk in professional artist kits. A committed and globally verified environmentally conscious company, Mio Cosmetic Cases allows you to feel empowered that when using our products, you are committing to save the planet one small act at a time. Join the Mio movement today at myocosmeticcases.com. Mio Cosmetic Cases, meticulously designed with pros in mind. Okay, folks, it's that time of year again, award season. And of course, the Last Stops podcast is all over the Oscars situation. We have five bonus episodes where I'll be catching up with all five teams nominated for their superb makeup and hair work. All teams are asked the same set of questions, but of course, they all have very different answers. Join me and these incredible artists while we dive into the exceptional work they did to get them to where they are today, Oscar Makeup and Hair nominees for 2022. Thanks for listening and supporting the podcast, guys. It really does take a lot to get all these teams together to be able to bring these bonus episodes to you. With everyone working and shooting all over the world, as you know, it's hard. It certainly takes time and effort. So for that, I'm thankful to you, the listener, and all my guests. I hope you enjoy these special episodes as much as I did putting them together. Picture's up. Last looks. Rolling. And action. And welcome to the Last Looks podcast, team. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. And may I say a huge congratulations on your Oscar nomination for your work on the film Dune. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Let's start with introductions. If you could each tell us your name and what your position on the team was. Donald Mowat, makeup, hair and prosthetics designer and head of department. And I'm Lou Veloshon, um, prosthetic makeup designer for the character Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. And I'm Ava von Barr, and I was a prosthetic makeup artist for the character Baron. Fantastic. So tell me, when you heard the news that you had been nominated, what was the first thought that came to mind? I was in the middle of work and I was I was actually being called to do a touch-up and uh, my actor, who I'm going to just start name-dropping, Jamie, Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> said, it's about effing time. That's what we <laughs> 
Um, so it was really a kind of a remarkable moment. And I think people were feeling that. We didn't know, did we? We all thought, oh, you never know as you don't, right? You know, Jamie, we've all been doing it a long time. And, and I think after a while, you feel like, I've been a bridesmaid a few times. <laughs> um, I think you just think it's, you know, we, we learn to just think of it as, as not as important as we, we put a lot of emphasis on it. But in the end, you know, things happen and it's not always about that. It was just, it was getting to do the movie was the, the most important thing and anything else was kind of gravy. And having the BAFTA the week before mm. was very significant to us, to me, yeah. I, yeah. I felt and yes, it was an incredible thing for people to to do that uh, with, with us. I love that you're in the middle of work when you found out. That's great. <laughs> I couldn't do the job after. It was very. It was. It wasn't funny actually because I really couldn't do the job. I was kind of unable to do what normally we would do very easily. Yeah. So many emotions. So exciting. Well, we were so nervous when they were going to read that. So I and I was like walking around in the apartment feeling sort of like crawling out of my skin. And then I said to Luba, we have to do something because this is horrible. And so I said to him, let's pour a huge whiskey each. And then just, <laughs> and we just did. And, and my little brother, he called and he said like, are you drinking in the middle of the day? And I was like, I can't help it because this is just so horrible. And then when they sort of, when we heard the news, it was just such a, fantastic feeling it was just fantastic and we were just so happy and screaming and shouting and it was just fantastic <laughs> oh that's so fun to hear yeah i mean ava she started screaming so i thought i was married to linda blair in the exorcist <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> a scary moment for all of us but also a very happy moment <laughs> oh that's amazing now i would love for you guys to talk me through Three characters from the film, makeup and hair-wise, from research and development through to daily application. Yeah, I can do that. I can start with the Baron because that's that was our kind of guy on this project. Yeah. Uh, Donald Caldas was early 2019 and uh, said he had this project and it was on the Swedish actor Stellan Skarsgård that we all had worked with on previous productions. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was kind of great. He was supposed to be in Budapest, so it's close to, to Sweden. It's just a two-hour flight from here. And he said, it's probably just going to be some, like a character makeup, maybe a, a chin, a little neck waddle, maybe a, a little like pot belly. So it's not going to be this huge thing. <laughs> We're mm -hmm. like, okay, perfect. And then we started doing like Photoshop designs based on Donald's ideas and what he had uh, talked to Denis about. Uh, and they wanted like a big guy that had some elements of Marlon Brando from the island of Moreau and also Apocalypse Now, of course, and uh, some kind of gorilla influence as well. Mm -hmm. And it all kind of snowballed in something, into something that was this huge, big guy that also was supposed to be naked. <laughs> <laughs> so, so from something quite small, now it became this massive character i mean we're a pretty small company in sweden and it's me ava and three other people working so we just had to kind of figure it out how how to make this work and lucky enough it seemed to pan out to our favor <laughs> it was it went well and do you want to talk a little bit about the prep time that you had and just your everyday application on on set 
Yeah, maybe Ava can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. I mean, on set and when we apply the makeup, it was first we had to put Stellan in a cooling vest that was put on before anything else. He had to to wear that first Mm. to be able to cool him off so he wouldn't get too hot. It was really, really hot in in Budapest when we shot. And then we apply the pieces to the face. He was completely covered in prosthetic pieces. And the only thing that uh, wasn't covered was his upper lip and his nose. So Stellan has sort of a reddish, bluish undertone to his skin. And so it was, and, and the baron was supposed to be quite matte white. So it was a bit tricky to to cover his his own skin and match that to the pieces. Mm. If, if someone would have asked me, would this be a problem? I would say in a second, no, it, it's not going to be a problem. But it was more tricky than we sort of had in mind. So we had loads of different stuff that we tested and, and tried to figure out how to cover him that much to match the pieces without all the edges just popping out. Uh, so that was a bit tricky. And then after his pieces were applied to the face, he had an undersuit that he had to step in. And on top of the undersuit, he had a skin, a foam skin that was put on over that. Oh. And then the whole skin was blended in and the whole character was painted. Oh. So it was quite, it was quite a huge makeup because since he was going to be naked you had to sort of blend and paint the whole body so I would say that was like a six hour makeup and me and Luva applied the pieces first to the face and then we were five people doing the rest of the makeup applying the blenders and and things like that and I, I think it was also a bit of a problem because we didn't we knew what he was supposed to do but we did not really know how they were going to shoot it or how it was going to be done uh, so for instance for the bathtub scene mm. there was a problem because we didn't know exactly what was going to be in the liquid and also in the sauna scene we had no idea that he was going to be that is, it was going to be a proper moist that was coming out. So there yeah. were lot, lots of stuff, everyday problems that you had to solve. So it wasn't like we knew everything when we went from Sweden to Budapest. How are we, how are we going to do it? It was like things that you had to figure out while you were on set. And I don't know, Louis, if you have something to add to that. Not really. I mean, the, the prep time, it was quite a big prep time for this kind of character it was also a short prep time it depends how you see it mm -hmm. uh, we, we had some time prior to when he was going to be on camera because they started in jordan and had some other things in budapest before we went into his scene so uh, we had some time but we also had to figure out like things like how to we had to build an oven that took out like half our workshop i would say to, to facilitate the whole baron body and stuff like that. Things you didn't, you couldn't foresee until you were there kind of thing. <laughs> it was always something new each week that we had to solve. So that was 
quite stressful. And I mean, then when the shooting started, it was like, okay, now we just have to finish this. And when we did, it was like, oh God, go oh, thank you. <laughs> we managed. <laughs> I lost 10 kilos during the, the whole thing. Oh my goodness, you are giving it all to him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I was. You know, Jamie, if, if I may just interject him, uh, for a second, I think Louvain Ava will really play it down. But I mm. think it was really, I mean, yes, there was a lot of prep in terms of the actual character of the Baron. Had we not had that significant prep, it, it couldn't be done because I think what they were able to do, I mean, as far as being able to sculpt and, and just build and like what they had to do with this oven. I mean, it's people don't realize that we it's not been out there. It hasn't been put out a lot. It was extraordinary. I mean, it's an achievement itself. It's kind of brought back a practical prosthetic and character makeup that we haven't seen in the films for a long time because one, a lot of film companies won't do it. They won't pay for it. They won't approve it. An actor won't do it. Um, mm. They want to do it CG. I mean, it's not to say that that's wrong. It's just a different way. But you also have a director who embraced when we presented, when I was able to say, this can be a practical, if the right people can do it, these these are the right people. But I think it says a lot also for Denis Villeneuve. It says a lot about our crew. It says a lot about Luban Eva and, and, and everybody working on the project that we were able to sort of sit and, and because initially when Legendary said, well, I mean, is this because that's what they thought this would be a, a marriage of CG and makeup. And it wasn't. This was a pure. So they've kind of, you know, not reinvented. They've kind of brought, you know, when people said, let's bring sexy back. Um, <laughs> they did. I mean, because it was it was paramount, certainly for me to be able to sell it and pitch it to Denis as a practical makeup. I mean, it became much bigger but it was not fat shaming. We weren't fat shaming. We weren't doing a comedy. We weren't doing Little Britain, as good as that was. We weren't doing Mike Myers. We weren't doing, it had to be fierce and gorilla-like and as Louvay talked about before. And the concepts, yeah, we started with a smaller, you know, barrel-chested or a gorilla-like. But once he saw it, but even in the very first production meeting, remember that, Luvaneva? It was very, yeah. like, this is an experiment. Like, he had to see it and, Warner Brothers and Legendary had to go like, can we do this? Is this, you have an actor who's willing because we've all, you know, Jamie, we've all worked with an actor who says, there's no way I'm doing that. Mm. It's going to be CG. We've all been part of those films. It's going to be in post. And that was not going to happen on this film or with that actor. So I think that that's a huge thing. The oven, the stuff that was built an actor who would go into the shop without, you know, going through five agents. I mean, that's a reality of our business now of getting an actor who's going to come in and spend the day in Stockholm and not go through 10 people. I mean, you know, uh, you can barely get someone to come in for a wig fitting, as you know, or can I get your measure? Can you go for a contact lens? It, it's so difficult now. Yeah. And I think all of those elements led to this perfect thing, alignment, uh, happening and that we had that time. So by the time we came to shoot, Denis thought it was the perfect thing. It was a success, as he put it, when he saw it and we looked at each other and he goes, this is a perfect situation. It's a success. Ah, oh, that's so amazing. Um, just for those who may not understand the oven situation, does somebody just want to talk through <laughs> that for a second? <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you bake foam latex, it's like baking a cake. 
Mm -hmm. uh, you have different ingredients that you mix up in a big uh, mixer and then you fill your mold and then you bake it in the oven. It's pretty much like baking. But um, when you bake a cake, sometimes the cake doesn't come out good. It might collapse and that mm -hmm. can happen with foam as well. It's dependent on heat, moisture, temperatures, everything. And uh, so you kind of have to work around that. And it takes some tries until you get a perfect recipe and then you can start producing things. But it needs to be baked for like, maybe we I think we cooked it for 10 hours in the, wow. quite a low temperatures. The body was in two pieces that we kind of glued together with blending pieces. And then all the, like the face, the, the hands were silicone pieces. I think when we started, you know, it's like every film with him is kind of, we have a sort of, he calls it brainstorming. Um, I think we just met initially for lunch in Santa Monica, uh, just for a couple of hours to sort of eat and, and sit down and go through what he had as his first script um, to talk about each character. We Normally what I find with him is he'll, we take on, or what I like to take on, are the characters that will be the most complex in terms of what we, we're dealing with as far as makeup, prosthetics, hair, because, you know, we know we're going to have to deal with those and, and, and figure it out. So obviously we talked about the Baron right away yeah. because the studio were asking, uh, the actor was asking, it was contingent, I guess, on, you know, without telling too many tales out of school, contingent on the actor signing um, was my understanding, whether you know, so figuring that out, there was that. There was a couple of other things. We looked at some stuff from the desert because they'd already been on Reckies, on Tech Reckies. So he really wanted to talk about Timmy and Rebecca, of the parallels of Timmy and Rebecca and the color of their skin and um, the hair for the two of them and the continuity of it because there was some concern because we were shooting out a sequence which we all know is not easy and we kind of talked about them and then each character we revisit once we talked about the major like cast one and two the baron obviously touched on other things and then we'd revisit as we start started prepping but once i got kind of on the road with the baron and he agreed that we would start a kind of process of elimination and that's kind of how we went. And then getting into the world of like Harkonnen, Sardaukar, Fremen, that was more complicated because it came later. And as you know, you have to kind of line up what your main cast will be, what the direction is going to be with costume and makeup and all the different elements to set the looks for other people. And that didn't happen until I got to Budapest a couple of months later. And we started doing, you know, tests and one-on-ones and, one -on and meeting crowd and background people and, and the actors started arriving. Well, I mean, I think every, you know, I think for all of us, I mean, you know, we all work at the same thing. So I think we, we have different approaches. For me, I felt like once I knew the Baron was underway and we were doing, I think Luven Ava, we sort of all, like it was a weekly progress report, wasn't it? Yeah. It, it felt yeah. weekly. And and that was really good because by the time we were in the weekly progress report and that was underway, Stellan had been in for his life cast. I think that everyone settled. We suddenly, that was underway. I went to do a makeup test on Charlotte Rampling in Paris. That was a very important part of it because even though she was covered, um, there was a chance she wouldn't be. So for a character that's only in the film for a short bit, it was a very important part of the film. 
I would say I spent a lot of time with Timmy and Rebecca. I mean, and they are one and two. So uh, to be fair, mm. they work in the film every single day. Yeah. And, and I think they carry the film, in my opinion. I think they carry the film and it's the narrative around them. And then the others sort of follow, like Oscar and, and Josh. What worried me the most were the Harkonnen, because it was a lot of work. So I think touching on the Harkonnen, because it reflects a little how the Baron looks, then we have to incorporate what we do with Dave Batista. So maybe that's something to talk about, because then you have Harkonnen soldiers and then you've got Dave Batista and David Desmalchin, and they inhabit a world that's all quite similar but different because the Baron has to be unique. What Luba and Eva were doing, he's a character that stands alone. It's the Baron. I mean, that's the man. And then these other people who are within the world of Harkonnen, but they are slightly different. And Dave Batista is a Harkonnen. He's not in a bald cap. He's wearing brow covers, but his, his look is unique. And Denis wanted something he kind of really let me kind of, I felt it was more based in kind of fashion in a strange way, a little bit kind of SS or Mephisto. Mm. And, and I went sort of in that line and he loved it. And then David Desmalchin, which was really an accident. It was a total accident with him because he was meant to shave his head uh, for us. And he couldn't at the quite at the last minute. I think David was, I don't know, maybe, I mean, he was, I think it was, was it, am I making it up? Was it Suicide Squad? It was one of those other huge films I got a call, Jamie, one day. I think I, I think I even called Luva in a panic because David called me. I mean, we're, we go back to prisoners. He called me up and he said, no, I've got a terrible situation. And I thought somebody was sick. And I said, what's going on? And he said, something terrible has happened. And I thought, what's happened? What well, he said, it's not terrible. It's actually really good for me, but it could be very bad. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he thought maybe Denny wouldn't cast him because... I mean, just to backtrack, Denis cast him in one of his first films, which was Prisoners. And I did his makeup test for that. He plays sort of a creepy guy that they think is the bad guy. And and so we did that makeup test in Broken Nose and Prisoners. And then we had him on Blade Runner. Of course, you'll remember him. And, mm -hmm. and then he was so upset because Denis had cast him with the provision he would shave his head and his eyebrows. And he then gets this part of a lifetime right? In Suicide Squad. And he said, I don't know what to do. Is there any way? And I said, let me talk to Denis, but let's figure this out. So we figured it out that we would have enough time. And I'm not going to say anyone was happy about it, but because we had enough time, we did some you know, research that we could go and get Steve Prouty to test him in LA, do a silicone cap, do the brow covers. Mm -hmm. And because he's a Mentat Harkonnen, he would look unusual. There was a little bit of concern because he, you know, it would change his appearance and he wouldn't look like the other Harkin. And I had to sell it back to Denis to say, yeah, but he's a Mentat. And I think Denis gave me one of those funny looks like, I think you're slightly bullshitting me. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go with it because we really like David. Yeah. And he went for it. I mean, he really did. But it took a second and it was a lot of work. And luckily he only shot for... I think it was four or five days and a day's reshoot. And he was, I mean, he's such a lovely guy. And we were happy to help. And we've all done it. You know, you've had to come up with something. But of course, it couldn't happen too often or it would have really. And luckily, it was months. It was months into the schedule. So we were lucky. We had two makeup tests in L.A. and then had a test in, in Budapest with him. And it was all approved. And, and it worked really well. That's awesome. On David DeSmolchin, we kept him pretty natural and didn't make him sort of alabaster. I, I really played with that Mentat thing because he has the tattoo. 
on Dave Batista because he's sort of warrior soldier with all those other guys. And there's lots and lots of them. I really kind of got into this. I, I like that makeup, which I think Lou Van Ava had to go and pick up for me in, in Sweden because I was really loving the face <laughs> Stockholm alabaster. And I was loving it because Deneen likes the idea that it's a kind of an alopecia um, and that it's sort of beautiful. And I think that Dave Batista, I guess being in all those other films where he's so airbrushed and spray painted that it was more, um, it just was a base and it looked more painterly. And he sort of loved the look of it with all that leather and it's sudden. I think there was something about it being alabaster and it kind of had a gray pale base to it. That's what we just started doing all the guys with. And and they quite liked it. And I felt like it was, it was, Denis thought they were quite beautiful, but he really, uh, he really took to it, which surprised me. And Dave loved it because he's usually painted all kinds of colors in, in different films. And he said he felt quite handsome and quite unique and different. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's cool. So during prep, filming, everything, what did you guys find to be your biggest challenge? Well, for us with The Baron, I think that it was the whole thing that he was naked. I think that that was that was a challenge. And also when we saw what he was going to be put in in the bathtub, it was like oil. Uh, I think it was like, was it food oil, Louvre, or it was something yeah, like that? It was that. Some, kind, some kind of frying oil. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and warm water, and and some black or dark pigment that was mixed into yeah. that crayon, black crayon, wasn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. and and it was the first thing was that how is he going to be in his makeup in that bathtub? We won't be able to sink him down. That was problem number one. So we mm. did a test with the stunt guy, and realized that he's floating so it doesn't work what we did is we we cut this the um, we we just used the top and it was Stellan's own legs in the bathtub and then we were able to sort of get him down but the problem was that the the oil attacked the foam so it you know it took perhaps like 20 to 30 minutes and then big black marks started to show and we were like oh my god how is this this is horrible what are we going to do and we tried to sort of you know put the the water on top of his face and see how we can solve it and we were really like oh my god and then Denis saw it and he was like he was he was just loving it he thought it looked really good and he was like oh my god this looks amazing and we were like oh my god saved by the bell Uh, so I think that was a challenge and I think it was also a challenge not really knowing what the next day would bring. Don't you agree, Luve? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think every day was a challenge on this project. Uh, yes, because it was such a big makeup. So there were so many things that could go wrong. And then we were exposed to all these kind of elements of water and, and cooking oil and all that. I mean, cooking oil, it's like the perfect makeup remover. Yeah. Being in a, in, a, in a bathtub with cooking oil and warm water. It's like, yeah, okay. Five minutes later, you can pop out <laughs> all clean. 
So it was like that day, I mean, we fought that day. It was a fight the entire day. And by the end of the day, it was like the fastest makeup removal ever. We just <laughs> pulled the pieces off and then said, okay, here's a towel. <laughs> See you tomorrow. Pros and cons, yeah. Yeah. What about you, Donald, running the entire the entire department? Well, I mean, I think there were there were days I thought, you know, what have I done? Um, what have I done? You know, I, I think we all have moments like that. I felt, oh, you know, yeah. there were days I think, you know, Luve and Ava probably thought we we're going to kill him. Um, and I, I felt like there were a couple of times, I think even Denis looked at me and went, what have I done to you? Yeah, there were a couple of days, but I actually loved it. I felt like, you know, I had to kind of maneuver a couple of you know, things and, and motivate some people. It was hard. I mean, it wasn't, I would say it's very hard sometimes, you know, working internationally, trying to get a crew together and, and get everyone working on the same page. I find that can be very challenging. What I do like, though, is when you have a vision and you work with the same director and you kind of know what that person wants and what they need to make their film. Because in the end, it's, you know, he's wanted to make this film since he was 13 years old. That's what I'm there to do. And I think when I'm able to find the right people and the perfect collaborators, and this was for me, probably in you know my 35, 36 years doing this, one of my favorite projects, working with all the other department heads and designers, because we're all friends and we like each other. And, and you know, obviously to have, you know, people like Luven Eva to come on. I mean, it wasn't a chore. Do you know what I mean? It, it all worked. It made sense. The challenges were, I'll say, you know, always budget and having to... Um, it was a real privilege that we had the time mm. that there's a, a lot of respect from these other people, the producers to say, look, what do you need? What do you want? Say, yeah, we need more time. We need to have, I need pre-calls. They, they gave that to me. We're doing, you know, uh, a challenge. Okay. Challenge eyebrow covers. I mean, thousand, I mean, bald caps, finding people. I couldn't get them. I mean, I could not, there was no shop that could, because a lot of things on films, as you know, like uh, things change. Suddenly you need silicone bald caps or whatever you need is finding. Where do you get a hundred? Where do mm. you get custom? Where do you get them? Um, so I was very lucky. I called in favors. I mean, Mark Coulier made some and eyebrow covers. I was very lucky. Roland at RBFX just kept sending. They just kept doing them for us. And uh, they would change their minds and say, you know, we're, we're going to use 30 Harkonnen. No, we're going to use 60. No, we're going to use 90. And also because our budget started, it really was a very conservative budget when we started the film. And it, it exploded uh, because the studio loved the way the film was looking. So we were having to order a lot more. And you're overseas and you know what that's like. Everything costs more. You're ordering last minute. But that was a challenge for me because I felt very on my own in terms of, you know, getting Todd Masters, uh, RBFX, Steve Prouty, uh, you know, tattoos, you know, calling people, calling a lot of favors in. Lube came to the rescue, you know, Josh Brolin scars. I mean, the simplest things could become challenging in Budapest. Um, you know, getting Peter Owen or, or Alex Rouse to make me wigs for reshoots. You know, that kind of thing was challenging. Absolutely. Yeah. And through all these challenges, what are some lessons that have been learnt? Well, I mean, I've always thought simple is very, very difficult. And I really know it now. And I'm not afraid to tell people. Mm -hmm. I think that it's, you know, I don't know if it was Chanel that said, you know, about this little black dress is just, I, I really believe it now because the whole thing with Josh Brolin's scar, which was a big hit and everybody loved it. 
But who would have thought that would have been in the camera test would have been the thing. I mean, nothing else in camera tests, nothing became a topic of discussion for Denis or our amazing director of photography or the production designer. Nothing became a conversation bigger than that. Or Rebecca Ferguson's hair, which is the simplest hair you've ever seen. But the simplicity of it was just keep it simple. Just keep it absolutely simple, based in history, with a medieval kind of something about it, but make it look simple. And I think that's what I learned was simple is very difficult. That's brilliant. What about you guys? Lessons learned? I'm sure a few, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that once you've done a makeup like that, that is so big, if you were going to do it again, you would change a couple of things to make it easier for Stellan, to make it easier for us. But I, I would say perhaps that some you can modify some things and also know that perhaps you don't need blenders for the feet because we don't see the feet and perhaps we'll never do. But still, it's it's difficult because you never know. And I think that is also what we learned on this movie, that you never know what will happen. And I bet if we didn't have blenders on the feet, that there will be a close-up on, on the Baron's feet. Yeah. I mean, so, so I mean, that, that, is, that is the thing. You, you sort of learn, but still, you never know. So you always want to be prepared for the worst-case scenario. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I think that we went into this thinking it was some kind of small makeup, and then it became this big, big makeup. And... <laughs> <laughs> I think what we learn is to always be prepared for for, for more. So, and I think <laughs> I think that's how how Donald works as well. You're kind of always prepared to if you're going to have one bald cap, you kind of get ten of them <laughs> because because you you never know things happen, and especially when you're. Like if you're abroad, like in Budapest, you can't just yeah. call call for something and get it next day or the same day. You need to be prepared. I like yeah. it. So what do you feel sets your work apart from your fellow nominees? I mean, all the, all the films are so different. You know, it's always hard. I mean, these competitions and contests and things are very, it's very hard because it's apples and oranges, isn't it? The people who go, who end up in that 10 or the bake-off and all of that, it's incredible. I mean, a lot of people don't get even to the 10 and there's some great work that doesn't go there for all kinds of reasons. And I think the people who go to the 10, incredible, and then even more incredible when you go and become a nominee. And so to be having been on both sides and these two have been down this road before, I think, look, it's, it's amazing. For me, what I, I think is something that I, I've always thought about this business was that it, it, you know, and with the Academy, it is the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. And I feel like we've, you strive to work in, in a, motion pictures and films, which I've worked on all my life, was that you want something, you know, when I was a kid and saw films that were innovative, they were cutting edge. I mean, you know, when I was a little kid, I mean, Mary Poppins was considered cutting edge because of the animation, wasn't it? Yeah. That was. Godfather in the 70s was a cutting edge film, right? Barry Lyndon, Kubrick's Barry Lyndon, Full Metal Jacket. Then I worked on Three Kings, was cutting edge because they did something with how a bullet, what it does to a human body. 
the damage it does. Mm. So I felt like I've always wanted to work on a film that really was at the standard of those films. So when I was offered to work on Dune, I thought, well, how could I not? Because this would be working at the highest level with this crew and cast and company and other departments that would be working at a level using the highest level of technology and craft and design, you know, our production design, costume, visual effects, everything. So for me, I feel that that is what sets it apart because we created a world, you know, we set out to create a world that nobody's done before. And, and that's really hard to do. And with all, you know, these brilliant films that are out there, it's so difficult to create a new world. And I think that's maybe what sets us apart with, with still acknowledging the brilliant work of other people. We had something that was really a challenge and, and just what the Baron, just the Baron itself is something that's almost never been done. And, and I don't know, I feel it's kind of a different sort of Lawrence of Arabia or, you know, it's in that world and I feel it is. So, um, yeah, I think it's a very extraordinary experience. And that that's, yeah, that's it. Very well answered. Do you guys have anything to add to that? I or? think you said it pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. Now, I know that it takes a team and I'm sure it took a very large team for this job. Did you want to take a moment to give a shout out to those that helped you on the project? Yes. How, long, how much time have we got? <laughs> Go for it, Donald. Okay, so there's a lot. And you know, Jamie, you know you know how this, there's a lot of people. But what I do want to start with, okay, if you can just bear with me, mm-hmm. a lot of people got credits on the film. And so, and they've been acknowledged. And I've said their names over and over and over again on everything I can. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, and, and we know who they are. And, you know, it's, it's Joe McNeil and Rocky Faulkner and Cheryl Daniels and what I was really troubled by, and I, it was however it happened, sometimes, as you know, Jamie, you run films and HOD, and is that people didn't get credits who did an extraordinary amount of work, local Budapest crew who came in and did ball caps and brow covers and worked on the background. They did not get screen credits. So they are my top priority. So, you know, there's a whole group of people that we put them in the artisan on the 706. So everyone's names, if anybody here listening does look at the artisan, those people, Adam Brandy, very kindly let me add 10 additional names on top of the people who worked with us. And Louvain Ava have always included, you know, Team Stockholm, you know, including people that worked with them exclusively. But, you know, uh, contact lens people, the reshoot people I wanted to also mention because we all have done reshoots on films that are really difficult. And mm-hmm. in our particular case, we had actors who cut their hair, changed their beards. Oscar Isaac came back with very little hair and very little beard. And I brought, you know, Peter Dunstall from London and Jutta Russell and Judith from Budapest that came. And, you know, they took on something with me. And of course, you know, Luven Eva came back. But that was a very difficult challenge because we could not have had that scene in the film if we hadn't had Alex Rouse's wig for Oscar that we completely reworked. And it's a big part of the film. That scene would not be in the film without those beard extensions, without that wig. And that was part of our additional photography. And of course, they're not screen credited and it was they were there for a couple of days. But you know, Jamie, how, how, that, how difficult that is yeah. to recreate. So uh, yeah. for me, they, they contributed a great deal to the film because we were able to use that stuff. And yeah, so there were a lot of people uh, and, you know, from all over. 
crew from Canada, from UK, uh, the US, you know, people who came out and helped us very short notice and then reshoot uh, crew. It was 11 days. Awesome. Love it. You guys want to add to your shout outs? <laughs> Anybody? Thank no? you. Who's, who's going <laughs> to? <laughs> You're like, Donald said it all. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, no, I mean, we, of course, we would like to thank uh, Matthias Tobias on Oscar Valrut, who worked the hardest with us. And then uh, we had Hannah Holm on set with us or helping out for the, the whole thing, one of us five. And then we have had David Marty and Monse Ribe who helped sculpting the body with us in Stockholm. Amazing artist from Spain. Incredible. Uh, yeah, that was our core team that worked really, really hard. Thank you, Sarah. Yes. Okay, guys. Well, it has been so wonderful to learn more about what it took to get your work on camera daily and in turn bring you to this point today, being nominated for an Oscar. So again, congratulations and thanks for joining me. Thanks, Jenny. Thank you very <laughs> Thank you much. so much. Thank you. to see more about our guests go to our instagram at the last looks podcast or our website the if you want to keep up with new episodes being released be sure to subscribe through apple podcasts spotify amazon google play youtube or any podcast streaming platform and remember if you're enjoying the show share it the Last Looks podcast would like to thank Brett Stanley and Sabrina Castro. The song Fun Time by DJ Quads. Thanks for listening. Until next time. That's a wrap, people.